Okay, if we've got your if you've got your Bibles, go to chapter uh, book of Ezra, chapter three. And I want to carry on from, if I can. Some of you may not have been there, but that's okay. The MP3s are still available. If you want to get yourself a set of the MP3s of the uh, Agents of Change Conference, boy, was that a powerful time. And uh, I want to talk about furthering our foundations of being an agent of change. Continuing. What we spoke about in our School of the Prophets just doesn't stay there. It has to go on. It has to go on. The Spirit of God was definitely stirring our hearts during those three days of encounter. And uh, I, want you to, I want to read Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. The book of Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah are very, very similar. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priest in their vestments and with their trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, His good is love, Israel endures forever, whatever the tune was. But they sang it. And all the people gave great shout of praise to the Lord. Why? Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord, not just foundation of a house, but a foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and the Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud. And when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of shouts of joy from sounds of weeping, because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. Now, we did talk about the difference between a sound and a noise during Agents of Change. And after School of the Prophets, it's so easy to see, you know, to feel all really heightened and, and alert and, and oh, I'm going to go for it. And then all of a sudden, the fire begins to fizzle. Why? Because... It's not a feeling. When God stirs something, it's not meant to be an emotional feeling. He's meant, you then need to go and put fuel on the fire to keep the fire burning. All fires need fuel. God can create the fire, but you must create the fuel. And it's something that you and I must be very, very, very aware of because you're in very, very real danger of losing what God started. So then we have another school of the prophets next year to start the same fire to, keep, to leave us at the same place. And this goes on and on and on and on. This is the school of the permanent prophets. You are permanently moving from one degree to another. You're permanently putting new fuel on your fire. It's a, it's a state of where we are. It's not a conference we come to. It's a spiritual state of where we are. For some who come, it's just a conference. But it's not a conference. It's a school. And we have to... How many of you know that when, there's, when you're listening to anyone speak, some things are caught by the Spirit. Some things are taught by the Spirit. Either way, it's a spirit dimension. If you want to just involve your physical ears, then it's just a, a question of taking notes. But if you want to involve your spirit, either way, the spirit teaches you or it's your spirit that catches what the spirit is teaching you. But all the way around this thing, it's still a spirit dynamic. <coughs> Amen. So two days before, <coughs> excuse me, two days before I began, I was in serious weakness, sickness like many of you have had. So I'm not trying to say I had something you didn't have, but the timing was lousy. Yeah, the timing was lousy. And two days before the conference, I didn't have anything down. Nothing down on paper. I had some thoughts in my head because, you know, I've been praying. I, you know, in all fairness, I've spent more time praying about it than I did preparing for it. And I actually think that was a good strategy. I prayed about it for hours and hours and hours. 
for months and months and months. So what happened during those three days was birthed on the back of prayer. So when I'm sick, I'm thinking, I know where this is coming from. I know what all this is about. So on the Sunday, I had one day to get myself ready for the, for the Monday morning because I was on the first two sessions. And I wanted to go at it strong. And uh, so Pastor Peter said, no, I don't need you to, 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 uh, to look after us on the Sunday. We're just going to rest and we're going to take some time. I thought, great stuff. He's going to stay in his hotel. Great. It gives me all Sunday to deal with. Uh, I have to deal. So I came back to the office after we finished church that morning and I got all my stuff ready, ready for Monday morning. And uh, because it's, it's, in, it's, it's, you have to be ready. When, mo- when opportunity, I should say, when preparation meets opportunity, you better be ready. Amen. So I was ready and I am ready and I'm still ready and I'm still in the school. This is it. This is where I've crossed over. This is my place. I'm not going back. Amen. The bar has gone higher. So we stay at that place. From now on, we come, we're going up and up and up because we're not coming down and down and down. If you was, didn't in the conference, please get the MP3s. Uh, they're there available for you. What's an MP3? We'll go and ask the sound engineer and he'll let you know. So let me focus you now back on Ezra chapter 3. We're taking an historical peak at a very special moment in time. The foundation of the temple was being laid. The priests, the Levites, the people each took their place singing just like we did last week. And another company of people remembered the former temple. So there was two types of people. Those who remember, or should they, those who were seeing what they were seeing for the first time. And those who were seeing something for the second time. Yes? So... Now, the former, they remember how the temple once looked, because they could, they could distinguish between how it once looked and how it looks now. Just like so many people, like when I look at Margaret and Gwen and, and others, they can see how the church was once upon a time to how it is now. Yeah? And I know sometimes they've had tears in their eyes, tears of joy, tears of sadness, depending what's going on at the time. So we have, we have that generation in this house as well, who have seen the foundation laid. See what I'm saying? So, and the, that foundation stood and served the people for a period of time. And there was two groups of people. One were crying. One had tears of sadness. And the other one had tears of joy. Two company of people expressing two different emotions. And yet they were side by side. Interesting. So we have to ask ourselves a very serious question here. When we look at this. Knowing that the foundation had been laid, again, there's two companies of people who've seen these things happen. History tends to repeat itself. Yes? And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how many times should we expect to see the foundation laid in our life? How many times should we expect to see the foundation being laid in our life? It's a very powerful question. We cannot keep going from church to church, laying a new foundation. It's just not right. The foundation had to be relayed because of the sin of the forefathers. Because of the carelessness of the forefathers. Because of the stupid ways of the forefathers. That's why God allowed it to be destroyed and to be rebuilt again. It was stupidity. And always will be stupidity and disobedience and rebellion that will always cause, and I should say, will bring about a new need for a new foundation. But it's wrong. You shouldn't have to have more than one foundation. So how many times should we expect to see the foundation being laid in our lives? Why should one single generation have to endure the foundation being laid again? Why? They shouldn't have to. But this generation had to. So when you first read this scripture, you think, oh, it's great. It's it's an atmosphere of joy and they're all happy. But no, you have to ask ask yourself a question. It's not right. They shouldn't have to keep seeing foundations relayed. It's so easy to miss it. But it's right there. So many of us have had to go through foundational teaching again and again and again and we have to ask ourselves why it's wrong you know when the house i'm living in now when he built the foundation it stood for over 100 years 
They haven't rebuilt it. Even with my, me and Carol living there and other people living there. We've had different generations living in our house. But it still remained the same foundation. True? And the reason why is because it's so easy to forget what you received. And you move away from what you received. You listen to other things. You end up in rebellion. You'll end up feeding self. And then you end up in a mess. And then you have to come back. And God has to redig it out again. And relay it again. It's not good. It's not good. And that's why Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 says. Therefore let us leave elementary teachings about Christ. And go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation. And he tells us what that repentance, uh, that refoundation is. Repentance of acts that lead to death and faith. So in other words, when you truly get born again, you leave your old way of, you, you leave your old way. You can't keep going back. That's why the Bible continually keeps saying that if you go back, like the dog goes back to its vomit. I know it's strong language and I don't want to be crass this morning with us. But if you use that illustration of a dog going back, it's actually repulsive. And God's saying that if what you received was genuine and the foundation was genuine and authentic, you going back is like that. Like a dog going back. And the Bible says you're actually going to be worse off. Worse off. So he says we can't go back to elementary teachings. We've got to leave. Why? Because if we did it right, we can leave. But if we don't do it right, we'll always be there. We need to press on. So let's ask that question one more time. How many times should we expect to see a foundation being laid in our lives? Question two. Why should one single generation have to endure the foundation being relayed over and over again? So we need to move away from that mentality, which is so easy to get caught up in the worship, so easy to observe the priest in their vestments, the, the symbols, the trumpets. It's so easy to get caught up in coronation day but miss that this should never have happened. <coughs> now, in you could take one view and says, well, at least they got back to the place where they should have been. That's one view. But if you take a, if you take a bigger picture, it should never have got to that place. Whenever we use the word foundation, it has many different connotations. You know that, don't you? So if we were using the word foundation in the context of women's makeup... We would, we would use the word foundation and it would refer to the powder before the rest of the stuff goes on. Yes? Or as men would say, it's the sand before the cement comes. Yeah? Women use the foundation before then they put other things on top of it. Yes? I'm doing really well. If we're using the word foundation in the context of politics... We could say the foundation would be the general underlining idea or a principle behind a policy that gives its weight, strength to whatever they're proposing. If we were using the word foundation in a magistrate's court and I was trying to lay a foundation to accuse Phil of something he hadn't done, then it would be my reason, my evidence, my justification that would prove my Reason for accusing him. So I need some evidence. I need some support. I need some weight. Okay? Now, if I was defining foundation in a Christian life, let me read it to you like this. Your faith needs a foundation. You must show, you know, if you've got a good foundation, if you're telling me you've got a foundation, if you're telling me, that you've got a foundation. This is what I expect. Is it okay? You ready for this? It must show that you have a good understanding of scripture. If you're going to tell me you've got a good understanding of this word. I should say you've got a good foundation. Because a lot of us have had a lot of church but not a lot of foundation. Let's not kid ourselves because we've been to church for so many years. Why? Because you can come to church day in, day in. It's how well you can receive and build with what you're receiving. If it was about attendance, many of us would outstrip each other. But if you've got a good foundation, you must show that you have a good understanding of Scripture. Number one. 
You must be able to give a strong reason for the hope that's inside of you. Okay? Number three. You must be fully convinced what you have heard and received is 100% truth. Irrespective of how good somebody else's argument against might appear. It doesn't matter what somebody else's story or so-called evidence is. You must not be moved by what you have received. That's a good foundation. Because all the way through my Bible, my Bible said stand firm because it's so easy you can be pulled and tossed aside. Yeah? Because the other guy might sound like he's got a better sounding argument. But that doesn't mean to say you're wrong. Yeah? It must, you ready? You must have a life behind your reason and hope. In other words, don't just have information, carry a life. You look at some Christians, you think, you want me to be like you? You really want me to be like you? Is this what you're telling me? Is this the best I can be? Like you? Now, I'm not being judgmental, but if you're going to offer me life, at least carry some. Yeah? You must have a compelling testimony inside of you. No, Psalm 11 verse 3 says this. When the foundations have been destroyed, what can the righteous do? When foundations have been destroyed, what can righteous people do? Because very often when a a foundation is being destroyed, people are powerless to stop it being destroyed. Do you know that? Isaiah 28, 16 says this. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion. Listen, it's a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. Let me say that again. This is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion. What kind of stone? It's a tested stone. It's a precious stone for a sure foundation. And the one who trusts will never be dismayed. If you lay the foundation accurately, it becomes tested and tried. How many of you know that? If you lay your foundation stone accurately, it will be tried and tested. It will be. Anybody can testify to that. It will be tried. It will be tested. But guess what? If it's tried and tested and you can stand under it, it becomes precious. And it becomes foundation. Amen. Sure means this. Confident. Certain. Beyond doubt. And complete assurance. Confident. Certain. Beyond doubt. And complete assurance. That's my faith. That's my foundation this morning. That my foundation to you this morning. I'm confident on the one who I'm building on. Hello? I am certain that what he said is true. Okay? I'm beyond doubt. In other words, you can come in and give me your best testimony why Jesus Christ doesn't exist. And I can tell you, you're a liar. Do you know why? Because he's revealed himself inside. I know my Redeemer lives because of the testimony inside. Because of the times he's spoken to me. The times he's revealed himself to me. But if you've just got a church life and you've never had him reveal himself to you, then you're going to be in trouble. Does that make sense? Once he's revealed himself to you, you can hold on to that. Whoever has a type of foundation stone inside of them will never be dismayed. If you've got this foundation inside of you, it doesn't matter what comes against you, you will never be dismayed. You won't. Isaiah 36 says this, he will be a sure foundation for your time. Listen, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge for the fear the fear of the lord is the key to this treasure so god is a sure foundation is the rich store of salvation filled with wisdom and knowledge when we carry the fear of the lord it's the key to understanding what i've just said how many of you know this stone is real it's living it's genuine it's authentic but listen it's also an interactive person 
That's what makes it living. But then we change the nature, that the nature of the stone changes. In the Old Testament, we see that the foundation stone referred to God was used, was just say, was called a stone. But in the New Testament, it changes. Let's see, Matthew 7, 2. Matthew chapter 7, verse 2. The rain came down. It must be in Manchester. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. What house? Your house. Yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. Now we've gone from stone to rock. Yes? In the Old Testament, it was a foundation stone. It was a sure foundation stone. Now we're moving towards a rock. Matthew seven twenty four. That was Matthew seven two. Now just go down another twenty two verses. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Who is the rock? Christ Jesus. So in Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter and he reveals the rock. And he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, which rock was he talking about? He wasn't pointing to the ground. He's talking to himself. On this rock, Peter, me, I'll build my church. So now the church is built upon a rock. The temple was built on a foundation stone. Now the church is built upon a rock. So he says, and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So now, where armies used to destroy the temple, even the gates of hell cannot overcome the rock. So we've moved from a natural to a spiritual. Yes? Now this rock is inside of you. It's not physically seen for everyone to enter and live and dwell like the old temple used to be. Now, Jesus says that he lives in temples built by the Holy Ghost inside us. Heaven is inside us. Christ is inside us. The foundation stone is inside us. The priest is here. The vestments are here. The glory is here. Everything that they had to use to get into the old uh, temple is now inside here. It's all inside us. So it's not physical until you shine the light. Then it, becomes, then it becomes visible, I should say. So he says here, I'll tell you that on this, on you, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All that was on the outside is now on the inside. And now you've got keys. We've got keys now to bring this kingdom and its power into reality. That's why this morning we could, in some churches, we'll just sing songs, preach a word, go home. Preach, a pastor stands at the door, greets everyone, bye-bye, hope to see you again next week. Same again next week. Everybody happy? Yes. But in the church of the living God, we can touch him. We can lay hold of him. We can bring down, we can lay our lives at the altar. Why? Because he's real. It's not a form no more. It's a reality. It's a relationship. Amen. But for you and for me, it can remain a form. So, now let me go a little bit deeper if I can. This rock, everyone understand now we've got a rock. But this rock, are you ready for this? Someone has to lay the foundation stone inside of you. Somebody has to lay this foundation stone on the inside of you. When you get, when you become born again, you came on your own. You came under someone else's preaching. You, the, the light was shone in, to you. You went forth. You gave your heart to Jesus. You received salvation. You received the rock. But there's a big difference between buying the box, taking it home, undoing it, and building it. True? It came in flat pack. Somebody now has to help you undo you, undo what's been received, take it out, build it according to the manufacturer's instructions. Somebody has to do that. You can't do it on your own. 
Why? Because you'll have to read your Bible to see. That's why God gave us people to help. If we needed ourselves and only ourselves, we wouldn't need a church. Amen? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says this. So let's just remind ourselves what we're talking about here. Someone has to help lay the foundation stone in your life. I wish everyone could hear what I'm saying right now. Let this be a reality in your life. Who is, who is helping you? Who has helped you? Who is helping you build that foundation stone in your life right now? Somebody has to do it. Well, it's just me and Jesus. Sorry, it's unbiblical. Shut up. Don't sound spiritual and get yourself in a mess. It's not biblical. Me and Jesus is not real. He put you in a body. Now, when that body's not around, it's you and Jesus. Do you understand that? It's you and him. But when you're in the body, it's you, Jesus, and the body. Read your Bible. I don't like that part. Well, I'm sorry, you don't like that part, but it's still in there. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 10 and 13, he says, By the grace God has given me. So he's talking, a man is saying he's received something from God. He says, and now how many of you know it takes a distinct grace to help lay the foundation stone inside of people? It takes grace. Not knowledge, grace. I laid the foundation as an expert builder. So Paul laid the foundation. Somebody has to do it. I laid the foundation as an expert builder and someone is building on it. Now we'll get to that in a minute. But each one should be careful, agents of change, how they build. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If any man builds... Coming down to it. If any man builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, how many of you know his or her work will be shown for what it is? So when I look at your life, let me let me just say this. If you look at my life and I look at your life, I can see, I should be able to see what materials you've been using. Oh. I should be able to see what materials you've been using, which is quite frightening. This morning, we heard two testimonies of how materials of self, that's what it is, what it boils down to, self. I've been using that, I've been building my life for various reasons, we understand why they are, but when you get to the the guts of it, self has been in the way. So now they're saying, I don't want self to get in the way, I want to use different materials. Someone's got to help them. Somebody has to help them. So it says here, so when I look at your life and you look at my life, I should be able to see. Now, here's the key. Here's the key when you look at antiques. Anyone who's got any experience of antiques can look at something and should be able to tell you the manufacturer. Oh, I can recognize that because it was built by such and such a thing in a period of da, 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 da. And they can give you the biodata of the, the thing they're looking at. Is it true? When I look at you and you look at me, I should be able to see whose hands have formed you. I should be able to see the manufacturer behind. I can tell what denomination you've come out of just by listening to you talk. I can, talk, I can listen to how shallow you've become or how ignorant you are just by listening to you talk and you and me also. True? Because once you set yourself up right, accurately, I can tell you where Christians have been. Because now I've become a bit of an antique specialist. True. So, God should be able to look at me and say, son of Jonathan David, but he was actually birthed in Burnage. Birthed and burnt in Burnage. (laughs) Then I came to son of Carson. I was mentored under Carson. I was influenced under a guy called David Callerman. But I was fathered under son of Jonathan David. So God should be able to see who's been behind my life. Now, how many of you know Christ has been through all those processes? You know that. But I'm shaped by someone on the ground. Someone had to help lay the foundation stone in my life. Now, you, we all know we've been in churches, we get saved, we get birthed all kinds of ways, just like the natural. Melanie would tell us some of the, the problems with natural birthing. It's the same spiritually. Spiritually. 
there are so many horror stories how you got saved. So many horror stories. But God uses everything eventually to bring us to maturity. Amen? Where, what I am now is not how I entered. And if I don't let anybody get their hands around me or on me, why would I ever develop? But we think I can just go to church, just listen, take the word. That's it. Next one, next week, I'll have another one. That's not development. That's just called listening. You can get this word on the internet. It's free. It's called our podcast. You can listen to this and stay at home. It's amazing now how many, how many people now are turning to what they call virtual church. They're staying at home and watching it through the internet as it's live streamed. How many of you know there's no connection, no life, no commitment, no sacrifice? It's scary. Church is never meant to be done distant. It's meant to be done up, up close and personal. So, using costly stones, wood, stone, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. So you need to check your foundation. Not how long you've been in church, but check your foundation. Go back to what I said originally. Your life must have a good understanding of scripture. Be able to give a reason for the hope inside here. You, you must have a All those things must show that you've got a good foundation. It's amazing how many people say, oh, I don't know where it is. I know it's in the Bible. We get to know where it is. Get to know where it is. You see, if we're building on the right foundation, we'll put behind us the weights and burdens that once entangled us in sin. It's amazing how many Christians are still struggling with the stuff they first came to Christ with. Same stuff, same issues. And I say my, my biggest concern is this. The biggest issue concerning church, people talk about the kingdom and the kingdom's, you know, it's, it's very, very powerful and very important. But my number one concern is your behavior. Because there is no kingdom advancement with poor behavior. I'm not saying you've got poor behavior, by the way, but your behavior is my number one concern. How you behave, how you think, what you know, how you receive, where you receive, who you receive from is my primary concern. Because I can't take you anywhere if you're receiving from everywhere. True? Though there are good people we can learn from, we have to check the sources. I want to say sources, I don't mean HP. We must resist lawlessness, sin, unrighteousness, and pursue after righteousness. Because what is the one ingredient we talked about? What is the number one ingredient an agent of change is? He is a righteous agent of change it's the righteousness that makes him an agent of change righteousness not a righteousness that not we weren't talking about righteousness that you receive from christ that that's, that stands we're talking about pursuing righteousness pursuing righteousness so it takes let me say this to you write this down if you if you if, if you can it takes maturity to honor what god honors it takes maturity to honor what God honors. So, so much of what God tells us to honor, other people don't want to honor. But it takes honor. Sorry, it takes maturity to be able to honor what God honors. Peter couldn't honor what God was wanting him to honor when he was on Cornelius' roof. He says, get up and eat. He says, I can't do that. I can't do that. Why? Because that would show dishonor to the Jewish faith. He said, don't call what I call clean, you call unclean. Get up and eat it. If I tell you to eat it, it's good. Peter was locked in his own mindset of Judaism. And Jesus was trying to show him there's a new level of honor that's coming. It's called obedience. Not law, obedience. And when God tells us to honor one another, how many of us don't honor one another? We think, well, they've got to do something to prove it to me. No, they don't. It's a command. Honor one another. Didn't say they have to do this, 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 and this. It says your heart is to honor one another. Above all else, he says, honor one another. How about honoring the things of God? 
the purposes of God, the kingdom of God. What about honoring those who labor in the word for you? Well, you know, I don't believe in any authority. Fine, that's your immaturity being exposed again. But the same person will honor a doctor, honor a police officer, honor rank and file in the military. But you get in church, we're all the same. The Bible doesn't say that. It's immaturity. Let me tell you this now. Right, number this, number two down. It takes courage to choose what God has chosen for us. It takes courage to choose what God has chosen for us. It takes courage. This morning, again, as the Holy Spirit was moving, two people chose what God has got for them. It takes courage. It takes courage to stand and say, I will pursue what you have got for me. It takes courage. And how many of you know, courage is something the Bible tells us to have. Joshua, be a man of courage. Don't shrink back. Jeremiah, go and say what I tell you to say. And if you shrink back, I won't be happy with you neither. It takes courage to do what God's asking us to do. To choose what God has chosen for us. It takes courage. Do we have that courage, agents? How many of you know that the the doors of the church are open to everyone? But it takes courage to open up your heart to others. Do you know, if I was a pastor that had been hurt, battered, abused, how many of you know I wouldn't have opened my heart to you? It takes courage even for me to open up my heart to you. Because you know what? You will not believe how many times people say, I'm with you, pastor. They cry, they cry, they stand there, they pastor, you're going to be my spiritual father. And you look at them, the next week they're not here. Words are cheap. Words are cheap. 50 Iranians. Oh, love you, with you. What are they? Two there. That's it. We're down to two. If that's God's, if I'm Gideon, we've got down to two. At least Gideon got 300. It's so easy. So easy. Not to choose what God has chosen for us. 2 Corinthians 6, 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. This scripture has become dear to me. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Or let me say this. I have spoken freely to you, Dream Center. And I've opened wide my heart to you. We're not holding our affections from you. But you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Paul's in a situation where he's been laboring, pouring himself out, talking, leaving himself very vulnerable, courageous, and he's finding there's resistance by some. So he says, I've noticed, I've spoken freely and openly to you, Corinthians. I've opened wide my heart to you. We are not withholding our affections from you, but you are withholding yours from us. Wow. Wow. Church, how... Many times could we read that in church and accuse so many people in church of holding back their affections. Come on, be honest. We hold back our affections from the ones who are opening their hearts towards us. And we run out the way. And this is the dilemma that Paul was facing. Paul had to seriously, seriously deal with these guys and challenge them You're holding your heart back from us. You have no reason to hold your heart back from us because we did it openly, willingly, freely. But you withheld your hearts while I don't trust you. But if someone's opening their hearts to you, at least give them the benefit of the doubt and join with them. You see, when we went to Australia, Scott and I, Scott was struggling, receiving some of the things that was taking place because it was all new to him and one of the guys took Scott and and showed him this scripture 
and said to him, for the time we've been here, we have not held anything back from you. We have poured everything out for you. So why do you keep running away from us? Scott couldn't go anywhere. He was cornered, plastered, nailed with that scripture. And when I read that scripture, I thought, what a fantastic scripture that is. And I went up to the pastor and I thanked him. I said, well done. That's a beautiful way of, of, of helping someone to open the heart up to what is being, being spoken. Scott didn't have a leg to stand on. Right? He didn't. And he went, you know, and, he, and in fair play to Scott, he stood and went, I'm sorry. Yes, I have. And he acknowledged it. They embraced. And that was it. Now, his heart's open. But it's all a period of time when every one of us, our hearts are closed. But it takes someone with courage to open theirs. To get yours open. It's amazing. Many of us are like Jericho. We're all shut up. But we've got to keep marching around you. Marching around, declaring she will open up. Her walls will come down. All for you one day to cry and say, oh God, sorry, I repent. You know, that's joy to my heart. Not to see you cry, but to see your walls coming down. Why? Because I could easily, I could easily and he could easily, and Paul could easily turn around and say, ah, stuff him. And then our walls go up. Then our hearts are not open. You cannot become an agent of change if your heart is closed to receiving what is coming forth. It's a beautiful scripture, that. Write that down. So we see that God uses someone to lay the foundation stone in your life. Here we see God uses his prophetic apostolic people to build and form the Christ inside of you. Somebody has to form Christ. Form. So Ephesians 2.20 says this. Built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together. And rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together. So there's no you and Jesus. Together. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Prophetic, apostolic ministry you need in your life. You need prophetic to see the future. You need apostolic. Let's, right, let me just illustrate it like this. From here, I can see Ange at the back. And I can say, prophetically, I see in the spirit there are two ladies waiting on the other side to receive all that you're about to offer them. Now, how many of you know there's a journey from here to there to be made? But if you've got no one to help build and form the life of Christ, how, Phil, stand up a minute, please. Come here a minute. Phil's a new, Phil's a new Christian. So I prophesy over him on the first day that God's got a beautiful wife for him on the other side. Right? She's on the other side. She's waiting for him. She's luscious. Right? She's She's beautiful. She's waiting for him. But he's saying, right, right, right. I need it. Right, I'm going to get it. Now, if I say, right, go on. How many of you know he's going to fail? Because he's got no technologies of how to get from here to there. That's the prophetic. I've stirred his heart. I've now got him excited. Right? Listen, this is what the prophetic does. The prophetic stirs your heart and gets you excited that there's a future for you. So when the prophetic is spoken over you, it makes sense of your past, your present, and your future. Okay? But now he wants to embrace his future. He wants his wife. But how many of you know, every time he takes a step, take a step, strip off. Not strip, literally strip off. Right, listen, 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 keep, listen, stay where I am, stay where I am. All the old man is still here, but she's the new creation over there. She doesn't want what he's carrying right now, but he wants everything she's carrying, right? Because he's still the old nature. So every time he takes a step forward, take a step forward, how many of you know that could be two years of his life? It could be six weeks, it could be two weeks, it's all dependent upon his willingness an obedience to what we're saying. So we have to strip him of his flesh. How many of you know he'll need circumcising in his heart? Why? Because if I give him the way he is to this lady, he will corrupt her and ruin her. 
So we keep taking another step. Right? So as we keep taking a step, maturing him, he takes now, take four steps. Go on. He's getting closer. He's getting closer to his, listen, listen. He's getting closer to his prophetic destiny. His prophetic destiny. But there's a whole walkway here that has to be filled in. But he can't go there on his own. This is where so much of the church get it wrong. Someone gives them a prophecy and they think it's just going to come to pass. Because someone spoke a word to him. But you don't realize that you need to labor with someone who can help you fit this foundation stone in your life. Yes? So he needs to relate with me. He needs to open his heart, just like Paul just said. Now, if I'm opening my heart to him, but he's not opening his heart to me, he still can't go on the, on the road to destiny. This is where so many of us get it wrong. Without an open heart, you can never find, follow, or discover your destiny. So it needs the right people in your life. Not just any person. So then Phil starts taking this word. His his heart's getting more and more excited about God's destiny. So now Phil, go all the way. (laughs) So Ange, watch, 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 watch this. Just walk slowly towards her. Now Ange, stand up. Now the other side responds. Embrace the destiny. Right, now watch, now watch. Turn together. Come back. Now he comes back a stronger man. He comes back a stronger man. Why? Because he's allowed someone to shape his life. She's allowed someone to shape her life. She was waiting for him on the other side. God knows what you need on the other side. But unless you allow someone to shape your life... You'll never, God can never get the package on the other side. All he ever needed, all he ever needed was always on the other side. All she ever needed was waiting for him on this side. But she doesn't want any man. She wants a godly man. Now you can have a man, ladies. You can have any man you want. But he won't be a godly man. But if you want destiny, you've got to do it God's way. You've got to let, listen, this is what a good godly man will do. Watch. Let's go back up. Go back to you. Take your position. Back. Go on, Ange. Quick run. Run. <laughs> now, I'm going to use an illustration here. Phil, stand up again. But this time, Gwen is coming to you. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, what, make the same journey. Now, listen. This time, he's not listening to me. Phil, come back. Come back. No, keep walking. Keep walking. <laughs> right, stop. Stop it. He's not listening to me. And he's walking towards Gwen. Now, what he does... Now, in the natural, we know Gwen's already married. So this is another lady. Listen, stay with me. This is another lady. But Phil's got thinking that this lady is attractive. She might be his destiny. So he walks in the path. But the man over here can say, Phil, she's not the right one. It doesn't mean you're bad. It means you're not the right one. She's the right one for someone else. So Jim says he's on his destiny. So Jim's pursuing her from another direction. And as Jim pursues her, she sees Jim and she thinks, nah, he's not the right one. Why? Because she's listening. She knows what's hers and when he turns up, it ain't him. So Phil, you can come back. Are you getting the picture? Now, because he didn't listen, he was going to miss what could have been his and went for the eye candy. Sorry, Ange, but you know. (laughs) He went for Gwen. Now, he could have got a nice-looking woman. He could have got a good woman. But is it the right woman? Now, when you get the... Listen, when you buy wrong, you have to go rebuy again. And when you rebuy again, it's expensive and it's heartbreaking. Right. So if you can allow someone to say, that's not the right one for you. Just wait a little bit. God will bring the right one. Don't worry. We're praying. We're in the... If someone can say, okay, I'm trusting you, how more protected are they? But people want to do their own thing. This is where true body life submission really hits the road. What's the foundation in your life? You see, you marry the wrong person, all they're going to do is attack your foundation. They're going to break it up. And you know why? Because they're going to get the Christ out of their marriage. Because they don't want what you carry. And because of your love towards them, you'll stay in the wrong place with the wrong person. And guess what? Your life will go down. Now, if you've got a husband and you've got a wife 
and you see that they don't carry as much passion as you do for the things of God, do not despair. Because our relationship was like the same. God had to work. You're married, you stay married. You chose, you live with it. Right? God is able to come and stir the fires in our hearts. God did this with me and Carol. She was always the right one for me, but I never really understood it because I was carnal. When I saw it spiritually, absolutely, I made a good choice. But I didn't see it in the natural, because in the natural, I was looking for the natural things. But in the spirit, she's everything I need. I wouldn't get away with half the stuff I get away with if I went for this later. Hey, all right, all right, calm down. 2 Timothy 2.19 says this, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with the inscription. You know what that inscription says? The Lord knows who are his. You can sit in church. You can be all things to all men. You can wear your Armani suit, looking good, smelling good, but God knows whose foundation is in his children. He knows who is his. He knows it. You might pull the wool over my eyes, but not over God's. If this foundation stone has been accurately set inside of you, then no longer can you stand beside, behind me. You must stand at the side of me. If I'm the one that's been laying the foundation in your life, I've opened my heart to you. You now acknowledge that, okay, pastor, yeah, you're the one who's been doing it then you've got to stop standing behind me and start standing at the side of me. Is that fair? If you're saying that I'm the one that been, God's been using to build your foundation, then you've got to come and stand at the side of me instead of behind me. Because when you stand beside me, I can use you as an arrow in my quiver to fight the enemy at the gates. Does that make sense? You've got to determine... Whether this foundation that's been put in you from this church, from these elders, is a good foundation. The agents of change is not just a conference, it's a school. We're in there, we're locked in. Amen? I'm coming to the end, believe me. Paul said this in Acts 20, verse 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that wouldn't be helpful to you. But, you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to you, Dreamalites, that's, I'm putting this word in. I'm dream, I've declared to you, Dream Center, that you must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city the Holy Ghost warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Let's see, that's, that's courageous. That's courage, you should say. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the gospel of God's grace. Paul again reiterated, I have not held back from you. I have opened my heart and I have preached everything that the Holy Ghost has given me. That's what Paul was saying. And you know what? I can, easily, I can stand here and say the same. I've opened my heart to your church. I've given you everything I've got and you'll have everything I have got. Everything I receive, I'll give it to you. You know, I hold nothing back. Everything you want for a foundation is here. You must build upon it. The scripture said, we said to you before that this foundation cannot be laid other, but, other than Christ Jesus. That he is the foundation stone. But it's a man who builds it into your life. But he builds in it, but then you must build on the foundation. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. So, last scripture. 2 Timothy 1, verse 13. And with this, we're finished. I can smell paninis. 2 Timothy 1, 13. What you have heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you Guard it with the help of the Holy Ghost who lives in us. I'll just say that again. Everyone say keep. One word. Keep. Number two, second word. The pattern. Third word. Sound teaching. 
Fourth word, with faith. So we've got keep, the pattern, sound teaching, with faith. Keep the pattern with sound teaching, with faith. Keep the pattern with sound teaching, in faith. Keep it. Keep it. Build on what you're receiving. Build on what you're receiving. Keep as the pattern. The pattern. What is the pattern? Righteousness. What is the pattern? Right relationships. What is the pattern? Open your hearts. What is the pattern? Good, healthy doctrine. I can go on and on and on. As the pattern. Then he says this. Guard. Everyone say right that. Guard. Say guard. The good deposit. That was entrusted to you. So if you keep the pattern of sound teaching with faith. You'll guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Is that fair? Guard it with the help of the Holy Ghost who lives in you. Why the Holy Ghost? Because he will testify. If I'm talking rubbish, he'll tell you I'm talking rubbish. If, he's tell, if, if I'm speaking the truth, that same spirit that's in you will testify that what I'm saying is truth. And it's coming from him. I don't want to lead you all astray. I do not want to lead you all astray. I want to make sure that what I'm teaching you is everything that's coming from God. Is that fair? You don't want to be led astray. But sometimes you'll make a decision. You think it's not good enough. I'm out. That's your choice. But I'll stand before God and say, I labored to keep the pattern that you show me, Lord, in faith. I guarded it with a good deposit that was entrusted to me. Is that okay? So much I could say, but I won't. Father, I ask, oh God, that this foundation stone will be protected. I ask, by the help of the Holy Ghost, that, Lord, we're fed up of seeing generations standing by each other with the sound of tears and the sound of joy having to keep seeing the foundations laid over and over again. Lord, it's a tragedy of the church to see one man come in, lay something, another man destroy it. It's a tragedy of the, it's the church, Lord, to see one people rejoice and another, tear, another generation in, in tears of sadness. Father, prevent this house from having a destructive foundation. Lord, put your arms around your people. Guard our hearts. Lord, as we guard the good deposit that's inside us through faith. Lord, put your arms around us, O God, and protect the foundation stone. Protect the Christ in every one of us. The Christ, the Christ, the man, Christ Jesus. Lord, protect him in our children, our youth, in our adults, in the adults, oh God. Protect him in the old. Protect him in the sick. Protect him in the weary. Protect him in the doubters. Lord, protect him. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to protect the house. Protect the good deposit that we've all received. And take us on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance, but we're moving on. Moving higher. Moving up. As we see the, the bar that's over our lives, Lord, is much higher than we ever thought it was. You tell us to make this election and call in sure. That can only be done, O oh God, through maturity. So, oh God, I ask you to drill down. Drill down, oh God. Expose. Hi highlight. Where there is maturity. Lord, so that we can go in and rebuild those parts of the walls that are exposed. Those parts of the walls that are weak. Those parts of the walls that are susceptible to the enemy's attacks. Give us the strength, oh God, to go in. And build the walls from the inside. 
Help us to put a healthy gateway on. Help us to put healthy ramparts. Help us, oh God, to get ready for the battle. Put the arrows in the quiver. Oh, Father, we ask you for the arrows in the quiver. We pray, oh God, that as we've opened our hearts, Lord, that you will also help others to open their hearts to receive this word, to receive the man and his message, to receive the brothers and sisters who carry the same message. Oh God, create a brotherhood, create a sisterhood, create a fatherhood, create, oh God, your church in the midst of this people. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, stand to our feet.